So the Global Wellness Institute defines wellness as the active pursuit of activities, choices and lifestyles that lead to a state of holistic health. Active pursuit of activities, choices and lifestyles that lead to a state of holistic health. So today we're talking about wellness and well-being and the differences between the two, which is often confusing. They're often used interchangeably. I mean, are there differences? There definitely are. And we, you know, obviously through our research and being around it in the industry that we're in, we know there's differences. So it's going to be interesting to dive into that. You can look in different places for research, find out how people try and define the differences with wellness and well-being being such a movement trend huge expansion financially if you look at the global wellness institute and see how much uh, value they're putting on it both today and in the near future and so therefore things can get misinterpreted or like we said the the words used interchangeably so we're taking a deep dive into that today how we've how we understand it and we're not experts or this isn't medical advice this is just our understanding it being in the design hospitality industry our experience of it personally and then how we see it interacting with the built environment with design and the initiatives that are are at the forefront at the moment did you do a little research on the definition of the world wellness what did you look up yeah i looked i looked up i've used the oxford english dictionary and i'll just skip to that now um according to the global wellness institute the oxford english dictionary definition is wellness is the state of being well or in good health so it's hmm. pretty straightforward well or in good health yeah well i took a little help from chat gpt and the definition of wellness in ChatGPT, one of the versions was that wellness refers to being healthy and feeling good in all aspects of your life. It involves taking care of your body, mind and emotions, as well as your relationships and the world around you. It's about making choices and living in a way that promotes your overall well-being and happiness. Pretty all-encompassing. Yeah, pretty all-encompassing. and. Pretty pretty good way of describing it, I would say. <laughs> Thank you, ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah. I know that I've always struggled to understand until, you know, the last few years where we've been more kind of around it and immersed in it, that wellness and well-being always seem to be the same thing to me, or you'd hear them at talks or conferences and people just interchangeably use them. But as we know now, there is a fundamental difference between the two and in my simplistic terms wellness is more the active pursuit and doing activities that lead to certainly physical wellness with well-being being more abstract it's more mm -hmm. of a, an emotional connection your perception of the world your position in society your outlook your relationships um, on a more drastic level, kind of your welfare, how, how are you um, in society? So there's two fundamental differences, yet they're heavily intertwined. I mean, on that note, I might read you the definition from the Global Wellness Institute about wellness, because that leads a little bit into some of the things you were saying. So the Global Wellness Institute defines wellness as the active pursuit of activities, choices, and lifestyles that lead to a state of holistic health. Active pursuit of activities, choices, and lifestyles that lead to a state of holistic health. Uh, yeah, and it'd be interesting what you think of that is and what I think of it. I know there's an element of that which is speaking up, and I think it's almost, it's your independent personal pursuit of wellness isn't it this is something that you take the initiative or one takes the initiative to do and and follows that path whatever it may be i think the key with that is the word active so it's not a passive state it gives responsibility to us to ourselves to actively be part of that journey of those choices 
it's with intention, it's the actions, it's the lifestyle we're choosing. So I think that's pretty that's pretty important because it's it's that taking action. So I think you mentioned that is the word active pursuit. The other interesting part of what we were reading here is the word holistic health, which leads me into explaining that holistic health sees not just the physical health as we know it. When we think about health, we think about our bodies. But holistic health encompasses more dimensions. It's physical, mental, or intellectual, emotional, spiritual, social, environmental. These are kind of the core pillars. Sometimes they can go into occupational, financial. It really says all the different facets around us that influence us, influence our health, wellness, and well-being. It's not just the physical. And I think that holistic approach, that's really interesting to me with the work we're always pointing out as a holistic approach to what we do. So it's just really knowing that it's not just one thing, and that's the hard thing really. It's not just one thing to focus on, it's several aspects. And sometimes it can be really daunting to think, I gotta think about six, seven things at a time, how I'm gonna be the best version of that at all those different dimensions and pillars. Where I think balance and comes in and understanding that in order to be holistically healthy, you got to look at all those facets, but you don't necessarily have to say you're 100% at everything, but you can't ignore one or the other because then it's like a scale that tips off balance. Um, I find that really interesting and I keep reminding myself of that too because it's very easy to get really fascinated with one of those and really focus quite strictly on either just your physical body, but then you're forgetting that you're stressing yourself out, your mental state isn't good. so it's. That's an interesting one to keep the balance. And often whenever we see these pillars, sometimes there's six here, there's sometimes there's eight, as you mentioned. Physical always seems to come first. So it's that, and this is in the wellness category as opposed to well-being. So physical, when we think of physical, like you said, we, we tend to think of like getting you in good shape, whether that's running, jogging, weightlifting, Pilates, whatever it may be to you. Um, but there's additional aspects and elements to that. So um, nutrition is obviously a huge part of that. And then sleep and sleep sometimes we overlook. It's just something we do every night, but don't really prioritize it. And I know there's a lot of studies out there that we've read and looked and people are saying now that really it should be the first pillar of, of those three out of um, nutrition, sleep and exercise prioritize sleep and the other two will fall into place because often without a good night's sleep we make bad decisions the next day whether we miss our routine fitness routine or we are feeling a bit tired and jaded and we reach for something more you know sugar heavy or caffeine heavy to to kind of pull us out of that slump from a bad night's sleep so it it's it's definitely multi-dimensional yeah, it's uh, it's yeah very multidimensional. I'm trying to think, maybe going back to you touched on well-being as well. I wonder if we should slide that in now and seeing if because like you were describing, it's not wellness and well-being aren't the same thing. They have fundamental similarities, but like you were describing, wellness is really more. It's emphasizing more the physical and the active pursuit where well-being is more how we perceive the satisfaction of our life, how we define our life's purpose, how we feel satisfied, fulfilled, so it's subjective and it's more really in the emotional and mental category. And we've kind of recently defined that we almost put more priority into that because when your emotions are in place, when you feel satisfied, fulfilled, that's when you can make better choices towards your wellness journey as well. For me, that's 100% true. And I touched last week on the episode that was more focused on me and my journey, wellness and obviously design and r arriving to this point. And I've always been somebody who's, like I said, I played a ton of sport. And that was my 
that was my wellness it it went beyond the activity itself it had that huge social connection for me um I loved being part of a team and I loved playing sports, but I didn't necessarily ever really get in great physical shape from it. I maintained a reasonable level of fitness, but you certainly wouldn't have put me on the cover of men's health. <laughs> That's um, the goal. Yeah, one day. But um, yeah, so I've always had maintained some level of fitness, sleep, yeah, sleep was certainly my younger days was never a priority, but but now it has become. But what I see is a lot of emphasis on putting wellness first. And for me, what has really helped is the well-being piece first. And as you mentioned, having really defining well-being, well-being is that more of emotional as abstract part of the equation. And we talk about, like you said, purpose continued growth contribution which ultimately will live to uh, lead to a fulfilled life and with us having really started to solidify our our purpose around helping people through a this podcast and then b the environments that we design that support people's wellness journeys that has now given me this north star this this guiding light and everything else that i used to substitute to fill in the gaps temporary fixes to make me feel whatever it was alive in some way they've all been things that ultimately have held me back so now they've all just vanished out of my life and I absolutely now, without really having to think about it or put much effort into it, prioritize all of those physical aspects. So working out, getting a good night's sleep and my nutrition, a bit like you and you described in your childhood, it just came naturally to you in adulthood. It didn't to me. And now it does. It just is instinct. It just makes so much sense. And I mentioned last time alcohol has always been a huge part of my life and right now I've got this kind of internal experiment going on where I've stopped drinking and so far the results have been dramatic for me everybody's sensitivities to alcohol are different for me as I've got older my sensitivity levels have have reduced and it I think combined with a lot of effort into the work and business which created a level of stress I found that having drinks would knock me sideways the next day or the following days, even on a relatively relatively small amount of alcohol. And it is a momentum killer for me. It, it then disrupted everything. I think you often say to me, it messes with your hormones in a pretty significant way, but it would derail me. It would stall my momentum. It would be like hitting the pause button for a day or two. And now that I've excluded that for the last few weeks and month, this continuation this movement forward has been incredible and to be honest i've never felt so alive or uh, have the vitality that i've had before and all the things that i used to fill in like i said gaps with i I keep referring to it as fake fuel um the sugars the caffeines the alcohol the social media the netflix they don't come into my life as much anymore and it's just I don't actively try and stop it it's just happened and I think this is because from a well-being side I have found this this north star which is then supports my wellness journey which is 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 enlightening would you say that like you were describing the having found the kind of purpose north star that that really changed your way that you didn't need to reach for the what you're referring to as fake fuels is that what stopped it is that what yeah i've always been motivated Uh, we talked a lot about business and how we got to this point so it's never been a huge motivational issue for me and i absolutely love what i do We, we we get to design and create these amazing places and spaces that people enjoy and that's our reward seeing people in in those environments um celebrating you know 
having a good time with friends and family taking it a bit deeper now more into the the wellness and well-being realm i feel like that's a broader deeper reach where we can have more of a impact on on people's lives for me with the goal that they will then in turn pay it forward themselves if they can become as we say the best version of themselves they are going to take that out into the world and pay that forward to the next person and hopefully it just has this kind of ripple effect as it as it moves through society in a in a very small way one thought that came to my mind when you were talking about the emphasis on well-being what i've really discovered for me is taking that pause and it being okay to be still and what i mean by that is i think i was expressing in one of the episodes as well that everything is so fast around us there's so much going on there's so much influence around us there's so many pictures sounds and we kind of almost forget that it's okay to, for just something to be still like this morning i was i was looking out of the window and i was kind of observing nature and just thinking nature is such a good example because nature is okay with just to be you look at a tree and it just sits there doesn't have to move doesn't have to reach goals doesn't have to be active it's just is there and it is it's just to be and for me it's really these moments finding the gaps in between our active lives and using those gaps to just to just be and reflect because there's so much and also in the realm of wellness there's so much on the outside that we're thinking about with wellness and well-being it's a lot of external things we're doing to us that makes us feel good if it's the obvious stuff of massages facials anything that's kind of the outside of the body but the internal i found is really when i tap into my well-being and feeling really at peace confident and connecting more sort of with my true essence and that's really in the moments of pause and quiet and connecting with nature sitting in nature and just understanding to literally just be is really good and okay because we're i feel like there's a lot and we're in that's we're in that same thing it's a lot of activity we keep doing this and keep doing that keep learning this keep learning that like adding all those things but those moments of pause i find are really important because our mind sometimes just can't catch up it's it's too busy a really great form obviously is meditation but just even sometimes sitting somewhere in stillness for a moment taking a deep breath and not constantly be on because most of the time if we're not conscious about it the only time we're off is when we're asleep but it's really important during the day to find these moments especially during the day and we've kind of been a little bit more conscious about this lady too where at lunchtime sometimes we and it's kind of like you were kind of engaging me more in that is taking a non-sleep deep rest 10-15 minutes guided meditation while we're outside at lunch and it makes a really big difference it makes it makes a difference to our mental state and that then guide trickles down to so many more facets it really is true and it, it for me it, it's really important when we're the stresses and strains of of the daily hustle and bustle to take that 10 15 minutes sometimes it's really hard to do sometimes you feel like you're killing the energy or the momentum but actually i really found that it brings clarity it revitalizes it gives another surge of energy what you were saying there it's all about we can use the word balance this isn't about sort of becoming passive in our lives this is about finding balance and finding time like you said to pause but finding real enjoyment and fulfillment in all areas of the life this isn't about taking a bunch of stuff away and kind of living a a boring life this is about finding yeah fulfillment and balance in all aspects of your life so you know true fulfillment in your work have an amazing social life have a build a great community take care of yourself and just just live life to the fullest of, of pure enjoyment i just know for me that going too far in the enjoyment side 
And when I say enjoyment, I mean the typical weekend of kind of overdoing it or excess is is detrimental to me. It, it just doesn't it doesn't move me forward. So pausing on that has, has been enlightening, as I mentioned. The non-sleep deep rest you mentioned, um, I'd encourage anyone to look up Dr. Andrew Huberman. He's a, a neuroscientist. Amazing 10-minute meditation. You don't fall asleep. It's just this point where it just gives you a break. But he talks about, um, when we talk about fake fuel, he refers to that more as these kind of junk high or quick fixes where we're getting a reward for zero effort. So whether that's alcohol, caffeine, sugar, scrolling, social media, likes, um, watching Netflix. And he describes it as being pretty detrimental on the on the kind of brain chemistry or you know the the different chemicals that are released and fueled by that and he really promotes one focusing on getting something for putting a lot of effort into so that's why going to the gym and working hard uh, to change your body composition or restricting yourself in some way is much better than taking a magic pill that does that for you because you've got uh, your body your body appreciates or your mind appreciates the effort that it took to get to that point where you've succeeded rather than it being a, being a quick fix so it it's fascinating how how all of this interplays and obviously just relaying stuff i've listened to and heard so it's he's well worth he's well worth watching he has a, a lot of um fascinating insights and we'll put a link to his podcast or a link to his website in the in the show notes at the end of this do you think just on that note that there's um a lot of emphasis these days to make things easy like the like as easy as things can be like the convenience of things that it's a lot about taking pain away rather than being a little bit in a in a healthy pain point or in a difficult point um where i think we've kind of experienced you were mentioning kind of a gym example is if we don't really strain our muscles start using heavier weights you don't really grow so for me that's the same thing where i feel like i don't sometimes i consciously choose not to choose the easy way very simple example when there is a set of stairs at a train station at the airport i choose consciously to walk up the stairs because it makes me more uncomfortable but i know that it also makes me stronger you mean as opposed to, as using, opposed the to using the escalator, the escalator yes. or, or an yes. elevator yeah yeah so I think that's interesting. I kind of play with that because I feel like there's a lot going on around us where it's that in my mind, I don't want to become too soft. I do want to challenge myself. I think it's a balance, but I do like to know that I've challenged myself and I put myself through some harder efforts because ultimately I know that I come stronger out of it. Like we discussed before, sometimes life throws these things at you and it's out of your control and you have to deal with it but sometimes doing it consciously i feel like makes you stronger so that's a little bit kind of what i'm playing with right now what my experience is yeah he's absolutely right we all know you you know you've got to do something difficult to grow otherwise you're just standing still and if you're standing still i mean in this world uh, you you know you're gonna really fall behind so doing difficult things Doing difficult things without speaking about it too is interesting. Another thing Dr. Andrew Huberman talks about is that strangely, when we say we're going to do something, whether it's start running, join the gym, learn a musical instrument, learn a language, if we talk about it before we've done it, our brains get part of the reward as if we've already done it. And it's a bit detrimental because you also get... Um, you pat on the back from your family and friends like oh good for you you know you're going to go to the gym you haven't even done anything yet and you're already getting a reward and your body sends signal or your brain sends signals to yourself like oh tap, taps you on the back he also says that that then steals some of your motivation and that's often why we like saying things and don't follow through or don't stick at something for very long because every time you talk about it the motivation gets diminished chunk by chunk to the point that 
you either never start or three months in you've used up all of your all of your motivation and uh, just by talking about it so it's fascinating how the brain works and um, there's so much information out there that you can absorb and and learn about so um, I've I've definitely been conscious about it seems ironic saying that we're sitting talking about this stuff in a podcast but try not to talk about things like I used to do you know I've definitely tried to learn Spanish a few times and talked about it a lot and never succeeded so um, same with fitness goals etc so I I can understand it and I purposefully even with this podcast we didn't talk about it beforehand even though we've been planning it for you know months and months and months we didn't speak about it or you know very rarely did somebody notice something and and brought it up to us but it's it's much more about the doing and less about the talking and as we know that quote that we get uh, rewarded in public for the work uh, yeah we get rewarded in public for the work that we do in private and that's it you know be quiet and get on with it <laughs> <laughs> i think that's all good thoughts going back to i guess our wellness wellness topic when we look at wellness we spoke a bit about well-being when we go back to wellness and going back to like the different pillars wellness can become truly a lifestyle. And wellness, when you're at home and you can build those rituals, they become, the habits become more of a lifestyle and you it's easy to stick to them. Often what I find I get disrupted is when we travel. It's that's for me, that's the hardest. I feel like I'm pretty good at keeping my eating in check, still doing my meditations, the physical activity, I don't know what it is, but I find it really hard to work out, even in the most beautiful gym in a hotel, or if there isn't a gym, I know very well how to do the exercises, but just in your room, you can do anything with body weight. But that's the one thing I still haven't really cracked, and I, I don't know exactly what it is. But on that note, because there's such a movement around wellness and the consciousness, and so many people living a wellness-focused lifestyle now, what is really great is that in the hospitality world, a lot of hotels have incorporated features that help you maintain your lifestyle, being able to maintain your lifestyle while you travel. And I think that's one of the aspects that we really noticed how prominent wellness is to see that implemented in hotels, for example, in the travel industry. Yeah, and, and go back to your point of it being hard. I've always, for some reason, I think a lot of the times when we travel, it's for work and it's to conferences. And with us being in the hospitality industry, it's normally pretty good fun times and late nights. So I know that for me was always a challenge. You're, you're, you know, you're burning the candle at both ends. You're staying out late and then have to be up early. So fitness went out the window. For me, I also typically saw travel as a break from a routine and therefore it was a pass it was almost like a free mm. ticket like yeah, that's a good one yeah. you like oh, okay i don't need to work out this week or this weekend or whenever we're traveling and i can eat and drink and do whatever i want that was always my mentality um i know recently at the lodging conference which is a huge hospitality event i abstained from alcohol for three days which normally would have been a you know a lot of late nights and it was hard on the first day don't get me wrong but then actually found it very easy in the next two days and really appreciated working waking up fresh and engaged the next two days so um like i said this experiment for me around travel and and maintaining a, a wellness focused lifestyles is interesting and I, i'm i'm relishing the the challenge at the moment we know there's hotels and hotel brands like to try and facilitate current topics and trends wherever they can i know hilton has a brand called tempo which lends itself to allowing people to maintain their their wellness lifestyle while on the road they have in the rooms i think it's a get ready and get ready and kind of go to sleep zone i've, I've probably butchered the the terms that they use um, I know they have certain initiatives in the lobby too and around the uh, food and beverage offerings that they have taking it to the next level someone like Equinox which was fundamentally a you know a health club now with their hotels 
I know they designed their rooms or have engineered their rooms to be kind of perfect sleeping chambers, the way they deal with lighting and especially acoustics, they make them pretty much soundproof. So um, black, blacked out and soundproof so that you can really get a good night's sleep. And as we know, sleep is the is really the number one uh, pillar that you should be focused on with, with the wellness focus. And then beyond that, it's then getting, I mean, obviously there's others, but then, I mean, Accor, um, Accor, their range of brands, they have a thread of kind of wellness and sustainability running through a lot of their properties. And then you lead yourself into true destinations where you're actually actively pursuing some sort of weekend retreat or transformational um journey to go and discover some way of changing your life or lifestyle and that's a whole different ball game so that's when you were talking more about true wellness focused brands and resorts that like we're saying is a wellness destination so there's different ways that either you're seeking a different lifestyle you want kind of some sort of impetus to 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 start changing your nutrition, exercise, sleep, like the easy go-to pillars. So you go to the destination, you're fully immersed in a program. Often there's medical advice. You get kind of a holistic approach and you're being looked at holistically, ideally with preventative medicine and things like that, in the hope that that ignites something in you that you experience something that you can really know okay that I'm, I'm taking that home i'm changing my lifestyle i'm i'm motivated by that and i see the difference or you have a very wellness conscious life but then you're kind of off track and you feel like i just need to reconnect with myself i need to go to do a proper detox ayurveda program whatever those that is to reconnect and, and find that again so we kind of touched on those different things, the, let's say, more standard hotels that are wellness focused to maintain your wellness lifestyle, the specific retreats to either find wellness or reignite wellness, reunite with wellness. And then what we're seeing more and more now is the more urban locations of wellness, the so-called social wellness hubs, which is really an interesting concept. Um, what are your thoughts around those? What do you feel like that is a, what is, does that do for us? Is that connecting us more to a day-to-day -day in terms of wellness and well-being? Yeah, and it's all driven by this, I think it's post-pandemic, a lot of this has exposed um, people to more of a consciousness around their own wellness and well-being and how they want to live their lives. It's, it's a huge movement, there's a huge trend when that happens, people jump on it and you've got to then seek out the authentic tenants who are really trying to help people and provide that. And it's nice to see that there's some great ones popping up and they're out there. Going back to the wellness, dedicated wellness destinations and retreats, it's interesting how, and I've always had this kind of friction with it because I always want to know for a lot of people who are complete novices, it was always that thing for me is how does somebody take that weekend or week that they've spent immersed in that where they're fully engaged and they're motivated when they get back to their day-to-day -day hectic lifestyle, how do they maintain that away from that environment? And I was always challenged with or would sometimes ask some of those brands, what are those initiatives that you give people um, to take away with them? How do you check in on them? How do you make sure that they're able to maintain that going forward? And I think it's, I think it's difficult because, you know, you almost need a 24-hour personal coach. I know Sensei in Hawaii and now the new one in Palm Springs, with the wearables, I believe that they would... Uh, about a month of advance of your trip, they would ask you to send in all of your data from your wearables and they would build a plan around that, which I believe you can then take away and continue afterwards. So I think there's a lot more of that happening, which is great. 
But for me, it's not enough to just go somewhere once a year or twice a year to be that change. You've got to find something within yourself that this is a, an amazing add-on or specific um, initiative or something you want to learn at, at a, a retreat by a coach or a, a, a practitioner. So the the urban or the social wellness clubs that are popping up now, I think is part of that bridge. It's now, okay, I could go there easily because it's in my hometown or city where I live. And we know Remedy Place is probably the, the biggest one in the kind of industry media at the moment, the well-founded one, I think, unfortunately, during the pandemic. So they had a kind of tricky start there, but, the, the, you know, they're, they're very prominent. And then I think it's Hume is another one that's due... It's opening next year, next I think. Next year. So they're, they're definitely becoming more prominent. And obviously, these are the kind of big names. I'm sure there's hundreds around the country, and we're talking about America that are, are popping up everywhere, even on a kind of smaller level. And they're, <clears throat> excuse me, the, they're the high profile ones. And when we think about connecting or helping as many people as possible, we want to make sure that a lot of this is approachable and the barrier for entry is, is pretty low so that it just becomes normal. We just want to normalize or help normalize all of this around wellness and well-being so that it's just an integral ingrained part of people's lives and access to it is affordable as possible um, self-guided where it can be and there's a community which this is what a lot of those are trying to promote that there's a coming together it's a connection and it's a community and it's a way to socialize a different kind of happy hour yeah different kind of happy hour and what i'm reading as well is not so much about the self-care in your own home by yourself i think it's way more that social aspect because there is a lot of loneliness i feel like a lot of people feel very lonely and it's really that connection ultimately that we're all seeking that connection we all want to be connected to people and as good as technology is for a lot of things it makes us feel very disconnected as well we feel like we're connected but the digital world and the digital connection is very different to the actual interaction with a human being. Um, and sometimes the digital world makes us lose our real talent of socially interacting with someone in person. It's a little bit more daunting if someone's right in front of you to connect, to talk, to, to build a relationship um, than it is online. But it's interesting, and it's what you were saying as well about the, the social aspect or the social happiness, happy hours. I feel like, and you're describing a lot, I feel like there's a movement away from the, not away, but there's a newer movement evolving as well of coming together and prioritizing the wellness aspects and doing something that's good for you together. And it doesn't mean that going out and having a drink at a bar is not good, but there are other ways now where we can infuse, because if we we always have so little time for things. We always feel like there's not enough time. But even able to combine taking the time to socialize and doing something that's really good for your body, to do that together in a group, um, I think that's a really good combination. So I'm quite, I'm kind of quite curious and excited to try that out. Yeah, there's definitely a shift when we think of the traditional wellness or well-being was always around spa. And then spa, when you think about that historically, was always treatments it was something you'd go for a massage or a facial or a couples etc and of course they still exist and they're going away but wellness now is so much broader and wider than that historic um destin spa destination yeah. it's it's not just in wellness doesn't happen just in a spa anymore it no. doesn't happen even in a room when we think about outdoor really authentic wellness retreats and kind of looking at more ancient practitioners it's um it just open sky is our can be our spa room or treatment room yeah and it's a lot of it's self-guided and that's the difference and from a business model we know that's actually quite profitable or you don't have the overhead of one-to-one -one, you know a, a, a guest with a with a, a practitioner you can now have a room whether it's you know hot and cold therapy um you know different uh, chambers so you know um, what's the word I'm trying to look for the deprivation chambers <laughs> so brain went dead um, 
yeah you can now do this self-guided so there's from a business model i know in the in the in the spa world that that also helps too so and especially we know post pandemic that those practitioners are a lot harder to find so there's been a challenge within the industry to to be able to uh facilitate as much of that as as they would like so yeah we um we're excited by this shift because it's it's much more and that goes back to that it's your active pursuit of it's like what mm-hmm. can i do what can i take the initiative of and how can i you know improve myself physically and mentally what yeah. has been your so we kind of rattled on a lot about that and i think at the at the end of this we want to talk a little bit about you know how we see design how design and architecture can influence this but what has been your just like you to touch again on your approach that's been or your history of wellness and well-being or fitness and nutrition and sleep and any other initiatives that you have done or used and like i explained in the intro episode there's a lot of things that we now can define under one of the pillars of wellness if it's the physical mental emotional social the the sleep the nutrition any of those i feel like now there's all some of those are really natural to me like i explained before but i'm i'm still always really curious to add different layers and for me when i think about design and my real passion for adding the layer in that goes beyond the visual beyond the aesthetics beyond what we see with the eye is the underlining energies in the space it's a little bit with the wellness and well-being i'm kind of really interested in different spiritual practices looking a lot of ancient wisdom to incorporate that and it's really to find to find or cultivate rituals that give me that pause and that moment that i was explaining earlier is to really turn inwards like what can i learn to really take the moments to turn inwards because often that's from the inside and it's what i was explaining that a lot of wellness is outside it's done on the outside it's like what can i do on the inside because i feel like that's really when you tap into that that everything else then on the outside is a lot stronger i can help you a lot better if on the inside you've done a lot of the work so i'm i'm interested in a lot of those and those aspects it's anything from shamanism to traditional Chinese medicine to metaphysics. I mean, it's, it's anything really in those in those realms. Yeah, for me, I always think about for me when and this is just purely my opinion. I when we speak to a lot of people about different aspects of wellness and well-being, I said earlier about for me, for me, it was the finding that true North Star then gives me that foundation that I want to then pursue the other wellness activities. And then I break them down into prioritizing sleep, fitness and nutrition. I think everyone can go a long way if you get those three right or consistent. And we talk about the 80-20, you know, just 80% of the time, if you're doing that pretty well, you're going to be in a pretty good pretty good place then adding in other layers so supplementing those are all little percentage gains whether it's you know cold therapy hot therapy um, these social wellness clubs all of these just tick and add up but I don't like to think of myself as like I wouldn't start for me I wouldn't start there I wouldn't be like oh yeah I'm going to do cold plunging every day but ignore those other three pillars because I think if you can establish that as a base and then add those on it's going to be way more beneficial uh, from my perspective in terms of things like meditation and yoga I've dabbled in it a bit with you on and off Um, I mentioned the history with my uh, challenges with my eyes and the and the surgeries I had unfortunately due to those surgeries they um they put uh, a type of oil to hold the repair in place and some of that oil never came out so whenever i do yoga especially down with dogs i get these kind of bubbles of oil floating around a bit like a 
one of those snow domes that you get at Christmas. Yeah, and it's not as entertaining. It's it's frustrating because then I spend the rest of the day looking through these little dots. So unfortunately, yoga is a challenge for me, but I do like to do some stretching, you know, as part of our weekly routine. But in terms of things like meditation and sound bowls and yoga nidra and this non-sleep deep rest, I've done a fair amount of that recently. And I've done it in the past. And I almost felt like it was more of a tick in the box for me. Mm. It was like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. I should do that. Didn't necessarily really get the benefit of it. Whereas now through a bit of practice, I can pretty quickly go to that place and find that deep relaxation to get me into that place pretty quickly and then come out of it. So I'm I think you're much more connected to that world than I have ever been. I'm really starting to see now the benefits of it rather than it yeah, something that, you know, sounds good or you know, is a good little thing to do. I remember reading a book called I think it was called 10% Happier and it was a lot about that meditation. And even back then, that was probably five or six years ago, I would do a bit of it, but it was just, I think it, for me, it was, I did it in a superficial way, whereas now I'm finding a way to do it in a much more meaningful, deeper way and, and connect with it. And that really is having quite a profound effect on how I deal with stress and emotions and the, uh, you know, the mental health and the emotional well-being. So, yeah, I find that fascinating. So bring this back to sort of design and the built environment. I know I'm really excited about the different opportunities that are ahead because now there is such an integration of wellness and well-being initiatives into all kinds of different buildings um, from their dedicated wellness nature retreats to now these more urban hubs. And I can see it also going into homes in, in a lot more of a deeper way and really designing specialized wellness focused homes is that something you're seeing as well and you're getting excited about i'm very excited about this what interests me in that a lot is when we understand the pillars that we touched on about wellness how people interact in a space is just really seeing what are all the senses that are ignited with someone entering a space and how can we in the from a design point really affect those senses for people. It's the more basic idea of what we talk about in a built environment when we think about health and wellness. It's the right lighting, it's the air quality, it's the choice of materials. It's real materials as much as we can use real materials. By that I mean real wood, real stone. And it's really grounding the materials, grounding the space in the materials. And then it's interesting when you think about the emotional and mental aspect is what are those what are the subliminal areas that if someone looks at a space that really makes them feel relaxed is the the integration of specific artwork it's the colors we're using it's thinking from an interior design perspective but with another level of really affecting all the senses, really diving into what the space feels like and how the space supports relaxation, supports being open to transform, to having an experience. What makes us comfortable in a space to even be open and work on something that's really uncomfortable to actually work on? What is, how can the spaces support, support that? How can we be a vehicle and a support for, for that experience? So it's another level and I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm, really, I'm also really excited to really pinpoint a little bit more and really find out what exactly is that? What exactly does that mean? And the more we kind of work on it and being able to share examples of that too. Yeah, and when you, you mentioned those pillars, I when I think of it from a more of an architectural point of view, I think of I think of these destinations, especially in city centers, as being real pillars of the community. It's not so transactional where I go there, get something and leave. It's something where I can potentially interact like you would anyway, whether you were going to a coffee shop or a restaurant. But it has this thread that runs through it that has a, a wellness component to it. So 
you know the restaurant or the food and beverage thing has you know an underlying wellness initiative running through it but it's also then connected to another activity that you may normally go somewhere else to perform and then there can be some real integrative wellness or or well well-being component there whether it's integrated medicine etc so there's these centers that have that again they're very approachable and normal but so many people go there you build that community as if it was any other place that currently exists in the city and not being something that's I keep mentioning barrier for entry it's it's just normalizing it it's like how do we create facilities places and spaces that just make all of this completely normal as if you were doing exactly what you would do every day or every weekend at the moment but there's just a slight two millimeter shift towards wellness which over time you know that two millimeters grows pretty rapidly that has a, a major impact on your on your life and your your outlook so that's what's really exciting me and 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 working on those opportunities to to supplement as we mentioned maybe wellness homes and then the dedicated uh, wellness destinations hotels spa retreats that that already exist which are again going to continue to transform and offer new ways of of attracting hopefully a broader audience that become more and more aware of this. So yeah, that's what's exciting for me. So that's why I love this conversation because it's it's a great interaction. It gets our creative minds thinking too. And as we continue to do research in these subjects, it it exposes us too. We're, we're benefiting from it as well. We're, we're learning. And I think that's, that's uh, fantastic for us personally. Yeah, because we were saying that the more we talk about this more we unravel the nuances and the facets of it that gets us thinking in a different way out of our standard way of thinking about spaces and design interior design architecture is just thinking about it in a different way we've always and most architects pay attention to the humans in the space it's always been around people in the space but there's just i feel like there's another level of that and that's really exciting yeah. it's just really cool to find it out and I'm really excited what with that knowledge what else we're we're tapping into and start designing yeah no it's great well thank you uh, thank for the you. conversation as always and uh, I'll see you next week I'll see you next week <laughs>